Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I don't know what to say right now. I'm recording this podcast on Wednesday evening. Earlier today, the Kentucky Attorney General announced a Kentucky grand jury decided to indict just one officer in the Breonna Taylor case. Former Louisville police officer Brett Hankinson, he was fired in June. He has been charged with three counts of quote, wanton endangerment in connection with the police raid at Breonna Taylor's apartment that led to her death. Just just for clarity, this is a charge for that police officer firing blindly into several apartments and recklessly endangering Taylor's neighbors during the raid. But it has nothing to do with the death of Brianna Taylor. And just to be clear, the officer that fired all those random shots hit property, damaged property, but didn't actually hit, damage, or kill any people. He's being charged essentially for reckless behavior and property damage, but not for an actual death. A woman is dead and no one's being held accountable, responsible, no justice is being served for this woman's death. I read earlier this week that that Louisville was was um, securing the downtown area. They were putting up barricades around the government buildings and they were what it seemed to be expecting mayhem in anticipation of, of an announcement about these charges. So hearing that, I didn't have high hopes also because it's been... How long? Four months, five months since Brianna Taylor was actually killed. 
and nothing has happened. We've been waiting all this time, not for a verdict, not waiting for a trial. We've been waiting all this time just for charges to be filed. So I didn't have high hopes. I still had hope that maybe possibly someone would do the right thing. The AG is like one of them young Clarence Thomas type mofos. I'm thinking that, you know, you're a lawyer and maybe you'll actually, I don't know, care about justice. You'll care about like a a woman who was killed while sleeping in her bed. Like you can't mind your business. You can't comply any further than to literally be sleep. I, I didn't expect more, but I hoped for more. That's always been black folks shortcoming in America. Like, you know better than to get your hopes up, but you just, you hope nonetheless. Black people in America is just the most dysfunctional as fuck relationship ever. Black people all need therapy on on how we deal with America. There were two other officers who fired shots during the raid. They were not charged with anything. One of those officers is the one who they say fired the shot that killed, that actually killed Breonna Taylor. He's not charged with shit. So apparently running up in somebody's house, the wrong person's house, they sleep. Because they got to go to work in the morning. You just run up in their house, shoot up the damn house, shoot, kill the woman. But no charges. I don't really have words. I'm talking, but I don't really have words of substance to to add to this conversation. I mean, I can give you that some bullshit. But I, I, I don't really have um, much more. I just, I don't understand. A woman who was asleep in her bed is dead and no one is responsible for that. Like, you'll hold this man accountable for letting off some rounds and, and hitting up the neighbor's spots. People who weren't even hit. But no one is responsible for this dead black woman. You took a life. A whole life. And no one is held responsible. We're not even talking about a conviction. We're not even bringing charges. We're not even going to go through the charade of, of recognizing that wrong was done. Like, we're not going to do all that. It's just a headache for everyone. We're just going to cut this shit off at the beginning. Which... I don't know if that's better or worse. I mean, the message is the same. Like, your life really doesn't matter. But at this point, we're not even going to inconvenience anybody about it. It's neither better nor worse. It's it's no justice either way. Was there even an apology here? Not that an apology would would make it better, but just was there a show of, of ethical, moral decency, just acknowledging that a life was taken unnecessarily, unexpectedly, with no reason? Like, did anyone ever say I'm sorry to her mama, to her parents, to her family, to her friends, to her man? Because he was there when she got killed. Like, is that man okay? And I think about the message that this sends to black women. Like, you're not safe in your own damn home. Not even just chilling in your home. Because we knew, like, was it Botham Jean? That just chilling in your home, you're still, like, a threat. But you can't even sleep in your home. You can't literally be unconscious in your home. You can still die. We've talked before about all the things that black people can't do without putting their lives at risk. And we knew you couldn't drive. We knew you couldn't like sit in the passenger seat. We've learned recently that you can't take an Uber. You can't wear a hoodie. But this is, this is a new low. You can't sleep. And then like for her boyfriend, if you're a man in a house with a woman, your primary job, is to protect the domicile. I mean, yes, like take the trash out, mow the lawn, like fix shit around the house. I mean, yeah, do that. But your primary function, protect the domicile. Like that that's your job. Which sir was on it? Sir and his lady are sleeping in the bed 
He hears something outside, sir, as a licensed carrier. He reaches for his gun and he lets loose because he thinks somebody's breaking in his apartment, which is a reasonable thought if you're not involved in no criminal shit. I'm not involved in criminal shit. If someone tries to break down my door, the first thing I'm thinking is, oh my God, someone's trying to rob me. Somebody's trying to rape me. I'm not thinking the police are at the door because I'm not involved in criminal shit. Why would the police be at my door banging it down? I'm asleep because I got to get up and go to work in the morning. I'm a citizen. I'm a taxpayer. Why would I think the police are going to just bang down my door? So if I had a gun, which I need to get one, I'm going to reach for my gun. I'm going to protect my house. That's what this man was thinking. But the message you're sending to black men, like, yeah, you know, a man, your primary function is protect the domicile, but don't try that shit. We'll, we'll shoot up your chick and leave her for dead. That whole stand your ground thing, that only applies to like, you know, citizens, not to police officers who for all this time have been saying they had a no knock warrant and that's why they didn't announce themselves. And then all of a sudden today, it was like, yeah, no, it wasn't a no knock warrant. 12 people said that they didn't hear the police announce themselves, but one person did. So the grand jury just decided to go with that one person's story. So now it wasn't a no knock warrant and the police did announce themselves. I guess Brianna and her boyfriend who were sleeping should have woken from their sleep immediately known that police were the people trying to break into their house and sir shouldn't have reached for his gun to protect the home and his woman. I just, like I said, all I really got is this is some bullshit. I I don't know what else to say. And maybe because Brianna is a black woman, I feel this a little differently. And that's not to say I don't care when these things happen to black men. I've, I've spoken about it. I've tweeted about it. I've Instagrammed about it. I've talked about it on the podcast. I, I went and wrote my home phone number on my forearm and I went out to march and protest many times. I care. But this one just hits, it just hits different. And it, it takes me back to, I was in eighth grade at an all-white school, and I was in civics class, and it was me and one other black boy. And we were trying to explain to our classmates why the Rodney King verdict was so upsetting because we watched this video, and by we, I mean like black collective, right? We watched this video, and the force is so excessive. They're beating the shit out of him, and then they just get off. Not guilty for all of them. That feeling of realizing that your life just does not matter. That you could be so upset about something that you could be like, wow, like this is crazy. Like people really don't give a fuck about me. And then your white classmates could show up and it's like, but the riots and, and Reginald Denny and the looting and violence and who gives a fuck? Who cares about your fucking property? You don't even care about somebody's life. Rodney King was like the first time I realized like, whoa, like that weird awakening. My my parents kept me in a really good bubble for most of my life. But black in America, you can only stay in a bubble, but for so long. But like, that's what today feels like, like shit. Like y'all really just don't give a fuck. City of Louisville settled a lawsuit, a civil suit with Breonna Taylor's family for $12 million, which is a lot of money you know, all things considered. But what is 12 million for the price of a life? It seems like a big number, but I would dare say it's not enough. And I would dare say that there's no number that you can put on a life. Like what number would give her her family peace? 
There's this picture that's circulating right now. There is a bust of Fred Hampton, Black Panther Fred Hampton. There's a film coming out about him. I saw the trailer. It looks amazing. It's, um, come on, get out. Blue Blanket from Black Panther. Come on, what's his name? British. Daniel. Slim from Queen and Slim. But his name wasn't Slim in the movie. I don't remember what his name was in the movie. Did you ever notice that? That the, the name of the film was Queen and Slim and they never referred to each other as Queen or Slim in the whole movie? It's not the point. The point is, there's this picture circulating of a bust of Fred Hampton. His parents are visiting the bust. In the image, his mother has thrown her arms around the bust like it's her child. You can't see her face. But the grief, just from the body language, is palpable. It's been, I think this year is 50 years since Fred Hampton was killed. And he was a baby. He was killed in 69. I think he was 21 years old. It's a baby. But say Fred Hampton had been dead about a good 40 years when that picture was taken. The grief that's emanating from that picture is like he died yesterday. She might as well have been at the funeral. What amount could you pay that woman to ease her pain? Twelve million ain't it. And the father's in the photo. He's comforting the mother, but the grief on his face ain't no better. It's sad. The mother has thrown her body onto the statue and has buried her head in what would be her son's chest. And the father is looking up at the statue of his son and he looks like he's about to cry. It's a really good statue. It looks a lot like the, the pictures I've seen of Fred Hampton. But that grief, there's no mo- there's no amount of money for that grief. And I imagine that's how Breonna Taylor's family feels. Like, we'll take your $12 million, Put it towards the lawyers first and foremost. But I'm sure they'd give it all back to have her alive. It's tragedy. My heart breaks for Breonna Taylor, for her life cut short, for her mother, for her father, her, for her family, her friends, her man, for us, for America. Because I'd like to say we lost our way, but we've never really been on the right path. We haven't really tried to go somewhere to actually lose our way. Like, we just, we just can't get it together for whatever reason. We are just unfucking able to find our way, and we're just not really even trying. I saw this thread on Facebook, and it asked people in other countries what they thought about America right now. And the answers were horrifying. Like, we are the shit show of the world. Somebody said, if 2020 was a country, it would be the United States. Which I want to be offended, but then I'm also like, shit, the accuracy. This, this other woman said, it was something like, you know, it's also interesting watching America because we've always studied the fall of great civilizations in history class, but now we get to watch it in real time. Jesus. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. In other news, also horrifying, not equally horrifying, but horrifying nonetheless. Supreme Court Justice, notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, passed away last Friday. She was in her late 80s. Ma'am fought a good fight. Like, she had how many bouts with cancer? How many surgeries? She fought. She really did fight. Her dying wish was that everyone would wait until the next election to replace her. But Friday night, I mean, before the body was even cold... The Republicans were like, yeah, no, we, we're going to hold a vote. We're going to nominate a new justice. We will be appointing someone to the Supreme Court. Not even sorry. Just, yeah, that's what's going to happen. I'm like, so the woman's dying wish meant nothing? The fact that Obama had 11 months left when Scalia passed away? And y'all were like, no, it's too close to an election. You can't nominate anyone. Less than two months out for the next election, you're like, oh, no, it's not too soon. Same people. Literally, Mitch McConnell. No, 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 no. It's not too soon this time. We're going we're gonna to vote. No concern for hypocrisy. None whatsoever. I'm just, I hate these people. I saw some folks complaining that RBG should have stepped down when Obama got his second term. They were like, look, she was old then. And if she'd stepped down then, she could have guaranteed that somebody of like mind would have replaced her. And to a sense, I, I agree. But also, no one thought Trump was going to win. The next election, everyone thought Hillary was going to be a blowout. RBG's thought was that, oh, Hillary's going to run Hillary because she's like the most qualified person to ever freaking run for president. Like, of course, she's going to win. That's what everyone thought on Election Day. We woke up the next day to be like, what the fuck? But everyone thought Hillary was going to win. She was a shoe in. So RBG was trying to wait. She was like, oh, I'll ride out the Obama years and then I'll retire under Hillary. Hillary was a huge RBG fan, told Bill, was like, hey, RBG, you should consider her for the Supreme Court since there's an opening. Like Hillary kind of like alley-ooped that. So RBG was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to wait for Hillary. I'm going to wait for the first female president who's actually responsible for me being on the Supreme Court. I'm going to retire under her and I'm going to let her pick the replacement for me. It was all supposed to be this like great feminist setup. And the shit just didn't pan out that way. 
Yes, Obama would have made it a sure thing. Hindsight is is twenty twenty. I saw some other complaints about RBG. Folks, I mean, and folks that I really like and respect, we're kind of like, yo, black people out here falling all over themselves, mourning RBG. Y'all looking real Samuel L. Jackson and Django. Y'all looking real step and fetch it. Y'all looking real master we sick, crying and falling out over RBG. And I'm one of those people who was really upset. So I'm like, I don't think that was an accurate assessment. But I think the foundation of that assessment is that RBG didn't do enough for black people. And I think that's fair. Like I was listening to something the other day and I was like, oh, she only had one black clerk? Really? That's it? You didn't want to have no more black folks up under you? Like that's it? Just one? Fair. She could have done more. Fair. Accurate. But this is where intersectionality gets all like hazy and weird. She could have done more for black people. But what she did for the woman people, which I am one of, Like, I like having a bank account in my name. I like having credit in my name. I like being able to lease an apartment in my name. And when I buy my house, I will appreciate being able to have a mortgage in my name and not having to have a man co-sign for me. I like to be able to consent to my own medical treatment. I like the idea of a working woman being able to get married or to become pregnant and not be demoted or fired from her job. Because she's a wife now, or she's about to be a mother. Those are things that RBG is all responsible for. As a woman, I can't shade her, but so much. As a black person, yes, do more. As a woman person, you did a whole fucking lot, lady. Thank you. You fought a good fight. You did a lot with your time here. Could have done more for the blacks. But you did a lot for the women people. Speaking of RBG, I've been working on this campaign Hashtag she will rise to get a black woman on the Supreme Court. This whole thing started long before RBG passed away. But the idea essentially is that a black woman should be on the Supreme Court. And I don't mean like a black woman, like just in skin only. Like I'm not talking like a black woman who's the equivalent of this AG in Kentucky. No, like actually black and then like community minded black, like a black person that black people believe doesn't hate black people like that type of black person, like a black person who gets it. And the idea is that one, there's been like, was it 113 Supreme Court justices and there's been no black woman, which is crazy to me. It's also pointing out that like, you know, black women are on the forefront of voting They're on the forefront of activism. They're on the forefront of education. Yet in this space, which makes decisions that affect all of America, including black women, no black woman has ever sat in the seat. I was going to say it's a gigantic oversight, but really it's just blatant racism. Joe Biden has said that he will appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. If you're still on the fence about Biden, which I really don't understand how you could be at this point, but that's just another reason that you might want to go vote before November 3rd. Most places have early voting. You don't have to wait until November 3rd. Just FYI, like you don't have to wait to the last minute. Like you can go before November 3rd in a lot of places and cast your vote if you if you want to show up in person or you want to mail-in vote. While we're here, you have requested for mail-in voting. You've done that, yes? Tell me you've done that. It's not too late, but I would just like you to get on that today. Like stop listening to this podcast right now and go, go fill out some forms to, so you can vote. If you don't want to go in person, I want, I want you to vote. It's more important than listening to my voice right now. Go, go do that and come back. Okay. 
Now, as part of the campaign on Monday, I interviewed Nicole Hannah-Jones from the 1619 Project, which if you have not read the 1619 Project, you need to read that like ASAP. Like, I'd like to think that I'm pretty well informed. I go marching around the world. I read a lot. I go to a lot of museums. I go hang out at plantations, partially for history, also because I really like architecture. And I'm also fascinated with the way that people spend their money here nor there. But I like to think that I'm like pretty well informed. But like reading the 1619 Project, I was like, wait, what? I knew about segregated water fountains. I knew about segregated schools. I knew about segregated bathrooms. I knew about segregated waiting rooms. I did not know they had segregated parking spaces. I can't even park my car the same place a white person parks theirs? Really? I also read something the other day, and this was not in the 1619 Project. Black people in the South, under segregation, were only allowed to eat vanilla ice cream on the 4th of July. I asked about it on Facebook, and a couple people were like, yeah, I've heard my dad or I heard my grandparents make allusion to that. White people were so goddamn racist, they wouldn't let black people eat vanilla ice cream? You know how racist you gotta be to ban someone from eating a certain food? And if you watch Lovecraft Country, a couple episodes ago, one of the characters turns into a white woman, and one of the first things that she does is go to an ice cream parlor and order vanilla ice cream. I just thought that was like the most random thing to do. And then I was reading about the history of black people and vanilla ice cream. And I was like, that's so crazy. But it also kind of pans out. Like if you ever hang out with old black people, their favorite ice cream flavor is always something like butter pecan or strawberry. Also, you know, a lot of old black people also like know how to like make their own ice cream. Like you'll hear people talk about like, oh yeah, when I spent the summer in the South with my grandparents and we churned ice cream. Is that why? Because they were making their own vanilla ice cream at home? Because white people wouldn't serve them vanilla ice cream? That's sick. White people are sick. Speaking of sick white people, I ordered Cast, Isabel Wilkerson. It's Oprah's book club book. I was reading a review of Cast and they were talking about how The Nazis, Hitler and the Nazis, based their discrimination of Jews on segregation in America. But they stopped short because they thought segregation was just too goddamn evil. And they were like, we can't go that hard. That's crazy. So I ordered cast. I'm looking forward to reading it. I really like the warmth of other suns. So I'm looking forward to giving a read of cast. I could have downloaded it. I actually like to hold books. Like I like to flip pages and highlight and write in margins and and all that stuff. So it'll be here shortly. We must talk about Vanessa Bryant. She has been on one lately. Like she's, yeah. She filed a claim recently against the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department over the deputies who shared the photos from the site of the helicopter crash that killed her husband, and daughter earlier this year. Those photos never should have been leaked. That's really, really inconsiderate. Not just to the Bryant family, but the families of the other people who were killed in that helicopter accident. Like we always talk about Kobe and and his daughter Gianna, but there were a lot of other people on that helicopter, including the pilot. It's, it's It's not a lawsuit. It's a claim. I don't know what the end result she is expecting from that is, but that is what she did. Not so long after, she clapped back at the Los Angeles County Sheriff. 
two police officers were shot while sitting in their car. I don't think the person who did it has been identified or captured yet. I really haven't been watching the news like I usually do, but I don't think so. But the sheriff did an interview and he popped off on LeBron James, of all people. A couple days prior, LeBron James was talking about the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. And he told reporters, I know people get tired of hearing me say it, but we are scared as black people in America. Black men, black women, black kids, we are terrified. In this interview, the Los Angeles County Sheriff, he says about LeBron, you expressed a very interesting statement about your perspective on race relations and an officer-involved shooting and the impact on the African-American community. He said, I appreciated that. But likewise, we need to appreciate that respect for life goes across all professions. I don't know why he chose to like bring LeBron into it. Like that's just... He is one of many black people who have been outspoken, but I guess because he's a Laker and the guy's a Los Angeles County Sheriff, I would be on some real, keep my name out your mouth. But to my knowledge, LeBron has not responded to him. I'll say that that shooting wasn't right, but you're going to have to forgive me if if I struggle to find empathy for the officers here. Just because like so many cops are like shooting black people and nothing's happening to them. For cops to turn around and be upset and be like, well, you shot me. Well, yeah, y'all been shooting a lot of people. I'm not saying you getting shot was right. And the only reason I say struggle is because I have two really good friends who I've known for years, one of them from college, who are both police officers. They are good people. They are good officers. They are good at their jobs. And God forbid something happened to them. And I tried to picture with these two cops that were shot in L.A. And I'm like, if my two friends were sitting in that car, I'd be devastated. I would definitely say that was wrong. I would definitely say that was terrible. And that's why I say I struggle because I understand how somebody could walk up to a police car and shoot two cops. Don't think it's right. Don't advocate for it. Don't condone it. But I understand how it could happen. You keep shooting people with so much inhumanity and then you turn around and expect them to treat you with humanity. How? That's why I say I struggle with it. And I got a lot of empathy. You know, I'm a life coach. I'd be on here talking about grace for those that seek it. But I'm also fed the fuck up. This country inspires the worst in people. It's like this nonstop abuse. Like, and this expectation that black folks are just going to take it. I'm telling y'all, somebody about to go straight Nat Turner. And people are going to be shocked. And black people are going to be like, well, chickens come home to roost. That wasn't even the point of this. We're supposed to be talking about Vanessa Bryant, y'all. Vanessa is hot with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. She, she went on a retweeting rant. She retweeted someone responding to that, that L.A. County Sheriff talking about LeBron. The, the tweet said, His Sheriff's Department couldn't be trusted to secure Kobe Bryant's helicopter crash scene. His deputies took and shared graphic photos of crash victims. Vanessa Bryant is suing them. She pissed. Rightfully so. She's also in the middle of a spat with her mother. Her mother went and did an interview with Univision. She said Vanessa Bryant had forced her out of a family home and made the mother return a car that the mother was using. Bryant sent a statement to People Magazine. She said, quote, my husband and daughter passed away unexpectedly. And yet my mom has the audacity 
to do an interview on TV talking negatively about me while shedding tears about a car and a home that wasn't in her name. She also pointed out that mother had, quote, removed all her diamond jewelry, emptied her apartment that I provide, and put the furniture in storage to appear as though she is without support. My husband and I have financially supported her for the past 20 years, and I continue to do so in addition to her monthly alimony. Vanessa continued because she was not done. Contrary to previous reports, she, as in the mother, has not been physically present or emotionally supportive for my daughters and me after my husband and daughter passed away. Going forward, I see what is most important to my mom and is beyond hurtful. I hope this public airing of our personal relations will stop here. Now, it ain't a lick of my business, but because it's in the news, I want to know what the full story is. Because to take your mama's house and car, your mama has acted a whole donkey ass fool. You know how much grace people extend to their parents, especially their mothers on something like, well, you know, she gave me life. People will give their mothers all manner of grace. For you to take your mother's house and her car, your mother has done or said something crazy as fuck. That woman has lost her mind on you and you finally snapped. I want to know what she said or did to Vanessa after 20 years of supporting mom. Something happened. You can't tell me she just woke up one day and was like, oh, yeah, I feel like my mom should not get support anymore. No, mama went and ran to the press. You ain't tell what you did to make Vanessa take the car, ma'am, and the house. And we know it's true because in all of Vanessa's statements, she gave a lengthy statement. She never denied it. She was never like, I did not take my mother's house and take my mother's car. That's, that's ridiculous. She said that shit was in my name. She did not say she did not take it. She just said that this business does not need to be aired in public and mother has not been supportive of her. She is disappointed that her mother is doing interviews and showing more concern for property. Again, more concern for property than people. Mom ran to the news with half the story. What's the other part? Tell me what the argument was and tell me what you said before Vanessa took the the car in the house. Let's have a proper evaluation of the situation. I'm not ready to demonize Vanessa just off taking the house in the car. Vanessa ain't done. There's more. She did an IG live the other day. She was showing off um, some of her husband's memorabilia and she's called herself a hoarder wife. She she shared his high school jersey and some warmups and also some items from his first championship run with the Lakers. And the caption was the fact that this was auctioned off and my husband had to buy this and more back is so sad. Glad we have it back. Now, that's that's shady. That's, that's clearly a jab at the parents who at one point were trying to sell Kobe's stuff and Kobe got wind of it and, and had to buy it back. I think the parents wanted some money for Kobe to buy a house and he said, y'all can have this much money and they said, that's not enough. So they were selling off his stuff to, to raise more money to buy this house. If y'all recall some history, Kobe's parents stopped speaking to him when he married Vanessa. They were so incensed that he was going to marry this woman who was with him for like 20 years, that they stopped speaking to their son. You recall at the funeral, Kobe's parents did not sit with Vanessa and the kids. There's still some some tension, put it lightly. There's still some tension. That doesn't go away overnight. It, it would be nice if it did. But you can't shade somebody for the better part of 20 years and practically disown your child because your child wants to be with them and then expect that person to get over it. 
Now, people were like, oh, Vanessa is wrong. Their son died. She shouldn't be acting like that. Yeah. I mean, should she? Probably not. Is she? Yeah. And forgive me if I just can't find it in my heart to criticize a grieving mother and widow. If my husband and child died in a helicopter accident earlier this year, I might be acting out too. I might be on an emotional roller coaster. I might be lashing out at people. I might have grief and all kinds of anger. I think this is a totally normal reaction. I hate that it's playing out publicly. I don't have it in my heart to to criticize Vanessa. Maybe this is rightful beef. I don't know. Maybe she's going wild. I don't know. But if she's in pain, I hope she gets therapy. Hope she gets some grief counseling to manage her pain, manage her anger. I think that's healthy. And if she's just setting some goddamn boundaries because she's tired of people and their bullshit, I hope she continues to do that too. I hope she's doing whatever she can to get some peace right now. That's what I want for her. I want peace for her because the woman's husband and child died. She got a lot going on. She got three kids. I'm sure she got a bunch of help in the house, but still, that ain't easy. She got to show up for them kids every day because they lost a sister and a daddy. That's a lot. It's a lot happening in that woman's world. I pray for her. I pray for Vanessa. In good news, Megan the Stallion is on the cover of Time Magazine, Time 100, Most Influential People. Have you seen the cover? It's a total stunt. I love it. She's in this like jewel-covered gown. She's got a glistening thigh sticking out. She's got a ponytail that's like whipped up in the air. Face is flawless. Hair is flawless. Body is flawless. She got her foot sticking out, which is a statement. Because you know the mofo shot her in the foot. And she looks great. Her pose says very, um, it reminds me of one of my favorite scenes from Black Panther is when everyone thinks T'Challa is dead. And Killmonger is like sending off the planes to go out into the world to start like World War Three. And T'Challa appears on the horizon and he's like, as you can see, I am not dead. I feel like that's the energy Meg was giving us on the cover. You could talk about me. You could shoot me in the foot. But I am not dead. I am still here. I'm happy for her. Lord knows she deserves some, some good news. She needed a win. I'm glad she got a win. The cover of Time is a good win for her. I saw some people being like, why is she on the cover of Time? Meg the Stallion has no business on the cover of Time. I'm like, people, you may need to check her stats. People talk bad about that WAP song. They really do. But that song went number one in 10 damn countries at the same damn time. And it's Megan's second number one single for the year. That's no small feat. I'd also like to remind people that whole TikTok dance craze at the beginning of the pandemic. That was a Meg song. I don't really know how we can argue that she's not influential right now. Ain't nothing wrong with a good thought anthem or a thought album. I was like 16, 17, driving around to Little Kim and Foxy Brown. Far be it for me now to hear filthy music and be like, oh, this filth, it's horrible. No, I like some filth in my life. I also love gospel music. I believe in being a well-rounded woman. A little filth, a little Jesus. Mm. And more good news. We're following humans of New York. I'm trying to figure out how to describe this because there's so much to it. There was this woman, I guess it was last year. It was a woman named Stephanie. She's a black woman. And she was telling these tales about how she used to be a dancer. The first time we met her, she was like, oh, yeah, I used to be a dancer. And my name was Tangare. 
And she's like an old black woman. I want to say like she's in like her 70s, maybe early 80s. You see this like respectable looking older woman and you're like used to be a dancer named Tangeray. Like, ma'am, you must be lying. But the story was so popular, Humans of New York follows up with her again. And she produces a picture of herself in full costume, feathers, full makeup, feathered hair, rhinestones, boobs up, and down the side of the picture. What does it say? Tangeray. Ma'am was indeed a dancer. She wasn't making that shit up. So everyone, their mother is talking about this woman and her stories and her fascinating life. She was talking about like presidents and sex scandals and all sorts of stuff. People were like, we want a book deal. We want to know more. We want to know all these stories. So she was supposed to be doing this podcast, which at some point, like I was looking for, and then I realized it didn't come to fruition. And I was like, well, people talk about doing stuff all the time and the money's not right or the deal's not right. And so it just falls by the wayside. I've done that 50 million times. Like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So I was like, oh, okay. So it must have been one of those situations. But come to find out, she'd fallen on hard times. She had some health issues. And so Humans of New York is back with an entire week of stories from Miss Stephanie. The stories are pearl clutching. Yesterday, it was a sexual tryst with Alfred Bloomingdale. She was friends with his mistress. The mistress invited her to the hotel room where he was there with some other girls and he wanted her to play like a subservient black chick. And she was like, I don't care. Just run me my money. And then they had this whole plan of how the night was supposed to go. Like she was supposed to be subservient and then she was supposed to be feisty. And then he was going to punish her by like spanking her with a necktie. But then when the spanking time came, he went and he was trying to use a leather belt, but she got out of there because she got her money up front. Her version of the story is 10 times better. Today's story was about James Brown was dating this white woman who he bought this like expensive fur coat for. And then every time James Brown and the white woman would argue, James Brown would take the coat back. Crazy shit. And then there was like this temptation. Dennis, Dennis Edwards, he tried to have the sex with Stephanie. He came out the room in a leopard bathrobe. I got to look up what she said. She said he was wearing nothing but a leopard silk bathrobe. It was tied so loose that he was just swinging in the breeze. And I mean swinging low like you wouldn't believe. (laughs) This was Dennis. I think he's the one that replaced David Ruffin. I got to go ask my mama. She says, sir, was swinging low. My God, like a sweet chariot. Tails, tattletales. Ma'am is dropping all the names and spilling all the tea. Piping hot, old tea, but piping hot tea. And by the way, this is a fundraiser. Initially, they were trying to raise 300000 for Ma'am. And I think they did that on like day one, the top of day two. They since raised the goal to a million and she topped that earlier today. We're only on day three. We still got to make it till Friday. But Ma'am is over a million already. And I have donated. Because this is a masterclass in storytelling with these vivid characters, with this twist at the end that always leaves you wanting more. I was like, look, I am learning for free. I was like, let me donate a little something to give you good quality of life. You can spend your life in dignity and luxury. I am here for it. What Nina say in Love Jones? She makes me want to burn my notebook. I am inspired. I'm working on this script right now about black women and dating and relationships. And I mean, it has twists and turns and surprises. I dug deep in the well for this one. You know, people are out here listening to good story 
That means when I start pitching this script, I got to come with my A game. People are accustomed to grand storytelling. Miss Stephanie making me step my game up. I thank her. Good luck to her. I hated to hear that she was having health issues, but hopefully with the money that's been raised, she can address her health issues and, and do a little something special for herself. The woman has lived. She deserves to spend her remaining years in good health and grandeur. So that's that. That is all we have for our podcast this week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening to. They all count. And if in between episodes, you need a little ratchet and respectable in your life, you can follow me on social media at Demetria L. Lucas. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So I think that is everything. Oh, if you still want a Don't Waste Your WAP shirt, they will not be on sale much longer, but we have t-shirts and we have sweatshirts. So if you are interested in one of those, please pick one up on messinabottle.com. I'm working on Ratchet and Respectable shirts. I'm working on an Audible for a Bell in Brooklyn. I will sign copies of Don't Waste Your Pretty again later this year. But that is officially everything. And I will talk to you again next week. Okay, bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.